Welcome to Engaging Experts, the podcast that goes behind the scenes with influential attorneys. Our guests will describe their practice and expertise, then we will go deep on various topics related to effectively using expert witnesses. Hello and welcome to another edition of Engaging Experts. This is David Seeley, Business Development Executive with Roundtable Group and one of the hosts of this podcast series. We have a great guest for you today, Jonathan Schwartz. Uh, Jonathan's a partner at Goldberg Sagala and chair of the firm's cyber risk coverage practice. Jonathan received a Bachelor's of Arts degree from George Washington University, Elliott School of International Affairs, and his Juris Doctorate from the University of Illinois College of Law, graduating magna cum laude. Jonathan was the former chair of the 2019 Insurance Roundtable and currently serves as the vice chair of the Insurance Law Committee at the Defense Research Institute. In addition, Jonathan is a top-rated lawyer by Super Lawyers. He has the highest peer rating standard by Martindale Hubble, AV preeminent, and he has been recognized as a best lawyer in America consecutively from 2018 to 2021. Jonathan, we are delighted to have you with us today. I'm looking forward to diving in, but first, let's pause briefly for this sponsorship message. This episode is brought to you by Roundtable Group, the experts on experts. We've been connecting attorneys with experts for over 25 years. Find out more at roundtablegroup.com. Welcome, Jonathan. Thank you for being our guest on this episode. Oh, David, thank you so much for having me on the show. I really appreciate the opportunity to engage with your listeners. You are most welcome. And, you know, Jonathan, I must admit, I've been so impressed reading your bio and learning about all of your accomplishments. It's been a, a true pleasure getting to know a little bit more about you and your background. And I'd like to kind of start right at the beginning, if you don't mind, uh, you know, at, at what age did you really uh, want to become an attorney? When did you realize that was something that you were looking for? Was there anyone or anything that led to that decision? I think I've wanted to be an attorney almost my entire life. You know, I come from a family that is primarily comprised of doctors and lawyers, and I found out very quickly that uh, medicine was not my true calling. So I think that left me with only uh, one option. Uh, with that said, I really look to um, my aunt, my Aunt Esther, who is a lawyer. She is uh, a very accomplished lawyer who actually happens to be in the same uh, practice area that I am. And uh, that is only, I think, by, by happenstance that I ended up in that practice area. But nonetheless, uh, I always looked up to her and I think that she inspired me to pursue the practice of law. So can you tell us a little bit about the early days when you first started in your career? What was that like and, you know, how things changed for you throughout your career? Well, David, I think that to, to better understand the early days of my career, it's important to uh, understand where I came from. So when I was in law school, I found myself really attracted to the uh, specialty of intellectual property. And I really concentrated in law school on making myself the best intellectual property law student I could be until I really found uh, that it was not a, the best fit for me. Uh, so then I, I pulled back a little bit and decided to find uh, an opportunity that would allow me to uh, reset and, and find what, I, what my true calling was. And in doing so, I had found myself at the Illinois Appellate Court right out of law school as an appellate court clerk. And while there, I had experienced a whole number of different areas of the law but really found that I was interested in, in appellate practice. 
So coming out of the Illinois Appellate Court, I found myself looking for a job in, in civil appeals. And I, I connected with a firm, which ended up being my first firm. And they allowed me to do uh, civil appeals as part of my practice. But they also said, we don't quite have enough work for you to do appeals full time. Would you mind also doing insurance coverage work? And I said, I'm not entirely sure what that is, but if, if you will pay me a salary, um, I will certainly do that for you. So that's what I did. And I found actually that while I really enjoyed appeals, I, I believe that insurance coverage is kind of a similar animal, but I think is one that I found even more exciting. So I quickly transitioned to the world of insurance coverage and only through that and my uh, involvement with the Defense Research Institute or DRI uh, did I find myself where I, I sort of am today. So I started off in insurance coverage and then uh, moving from you know, one firm to the next and continuing to build my, my practice and find the right platform for me. Um, I eventually ended up at, at Goldberg Segala helping them to open up their Chicago office in 2014. How did this all change? Uh, how is practice today very different from when I started practice? I'm not entirely sure for me that it really is. Again, I found myself as my career went on, you know, uh, specializing more and more uh, in the field of insurance coverage. But I would say the one big difference between when I first started and, and now is, is technology. And most importantly, I think the uh, ability for people to work remotely you know, when I was first starting, you know, we had laptops, we could bring them, you know, to and fro. But I think it was the ubiquity of Wi-Fi, the ability to have smartphones that allow us to communicate effectively with our firms uh, when we're not in the office. I think that's probably been the largest and most significant change that I could point to from when I started in practice. Yeah. And I'm sure even with, you know, the recent pandemic and, and things like the last year and a half, we've even gone even more to a more kind of remote setting and being able to work from home. And so very, very interesting. So when you look back as well on your career, um, you know, are, do you have any kind of defining moments, you know, that you look back on now and maybe you appreciate a little bit more now than you did? Maybe it was advice from a mentor or perhaps, you know, life lessons you took from colleagues that you've worked with? Every one of my my moves uh, throughout my career has been has provided a defining moment. But I think I look back most fondly on some of the mentorship, as you indicated, uh, from some of my uh, some of the partners that I worked with over the years. The first one I would I would note is uh, is the person I worked for at my first firm, uh, Jim Horstman, and Jim was always kind enough to impart very sage advice about the practice of law. And the one that always stuck with me most was that you are now a professional and that means that you have to act like a professional at all times. You know, you're not, you know, it's very hard to take off the lawyer hat, you know, when you leave the office because you remain a private practicing lawyer. So with that in mind, uh, I think the, the soundbite that he always used was it's time to be a professional. And then I, I would say, as I get to my next firm and the, and the person I work with uh, most closely and I consider one of my mentors, you know, he always stressed the importance of reputation and building their reputation. So, you know, I would say it's kind of similar to the real estate motto, which is location, location, location. Uh, I think in his words, it was always reputation, reputation, reputation. So that was something that, um, that I, I always took away from. That was one of the other very important uh, life lessons. As I then transitioned into an in-house experience, um, I worked with uh, another, another attorney who 
uh, was one of the most brilliant people I've ever worked with. And, and his, his mentorship that he gave me was in the concept, and it's kind of a similar one to, to reputation, but precision. It's very important to be precise in everything that we do. And, and so uh, he always was, was kind to lend a book or to you know, provide some guidance about how to become a little bit better at what we do. And I think uh, after my experience there, I always end up with uh, certain legal resources uh, at my fingertips. Uh, even as I am working from home in this pandemic environment, I still bring home my copies of, of some of the legal texts that, that I find most important, including the ones uh, from, from Brian Garner. And then I guess the next step I found myself in uh, was at Goldberg Segala and and the mentorship I've gotten from so many of my partners uh, has been invaluable. But one of the ones I think sticks out the most is is the importance of perspective and the big picture and helping me to best understand how everything fits together. So um, it's something along those lines that I, I've always treasured as I've, I've grown in my practice. And then the final one that I'll mention um, is actually not from one of my partners. When when I was admitted uh, to the state of, to the Commonwealth of Massachusetts as a practicing lawyer, uh, midway through my career, I found out that one of the requirements for, for, for licensure was that you had to attend in person a new lawyer's seminar. So mm-hmm. I found myself, uh, I think about I don't know, 12 plus years into my career, uh, sitting in a big, a big classroom uh, with a lot of lawyers who had never been in practice at all. So a lot of, you know, fresh out of law, stu- law school attorneys. And at the end of the day, they brought in a judge to talk to us about the legal profession. And it was a, it was a great talk. Uh, but what I took from it most was actually an opportunity to talk to him afterwards. And, and the judge, um, I had actually come off a, a situation where, in a case where uh, had not, you know, we had gotten into some loggerheads with opposing counsel. And, um, you know, I probably could have handled the whole situation better. And we, I think, got a little crosswise with the judge in that case. So I talked to the judge about the situation, the Massachusetts judge, and we talked about, you know, what, what could I possibly do to, you know, uh, to work through the situation? Again, I think there are opportunities in every crisis to, uh, to learn from it and to make things better. So this judge was kind enough to, t- to encourage me uh, to reach out to the judge who I had gotten uh, I had gotten crosswise with and to not only apologize, but to talk to him a little bit about, you know, what I could do better and gain some mentorship from him. So I, I think that, you know, the, the, the lesson learned from that one is that judges, along with attorneys, are human. Uh, they've most likely been in a similar position that you have. So, you know, just because you get yourself in a, in a hot spot doesn't mean that there isn't an opportunity to learn from it. So you know, remember that judges are human is a very important lesson that I learned. Yeah, that, that's, that all sounds like just you got some very good advice and, and adhered to it and, and kind of put it into practice. I, I really appreciate your perspective on, on that. It's, it's, it's something to look up to. Similarly to that, you know, when you think about, you know, your day to day now, you've, you've been at this quite a while. And, uh, you know, when you look at best practices and, and things you've learned from the people that you just talked about, is, is there a, a routine, uh, maybe a repetition that you found that gives you the best traction and results? I'm, I'm sure it's a case by case or a matter by matter instant, but are there bigger principles perhaps maybe that you just have found work well for you and, and give you great traction? 
you know, if there was an opportunity for routine in my practice, I think <laughs> I, I think my practice would be a lot easier. I find myself every day, you know, continuously trying to figure out what the right answers are. And, and usually the right answers are, you know, presenting, presented by questions in a whole, whole host of different areas. So even though I would say my practice is primarily comprised of insurance coverage matters, I still find myself on a daily basis, you know, being confronted with all kinds of different product lines, different types of carriers, different jurisdictions. So, you know, there's, there's always a new and interesting question. As far as best practices go, you know, again, it's, it's all about precision. It's about uh, making sure that you understand the question that's being asked. You never be afraid to ask a question. Always, you know, dig in, you know, never, never settle for less, you know, than you possibly can. There's, you know, there's the right answer and then there's a good enough answer. And I, I don't ever want to be in the position where I'm settling for, for good enough when the right answer is attainable. So again, you know, put in that extra effort, to, you know, as a professional to try to get to all the right answers that you can. At the end of the day, you know, remember that, you know, you are, the, you are providing guidance to your clients and you're trying your very best you know, to give the best guidance you can. And in doing so, you know, try to put yourself in their shoes and think about the pressures and the external forces that they're dealing with uh, when giving your advice so that your advice is as helpful to them as possible. And I guess the final thing I would mention as far as the best practice is be responsive. You know, again, it's not important. It's not that you give an answer, um, you know, in the first 30 seconds of receiving an inquiry, an uh, email, a phone call, but it's important that you be as responsive as you can uh, noting the time constraints for which the client has asked you the question. So, you know, again, it's, it's, it's most important that you give the client the right answer, but it's also important that you give the client the right answer uh, in as timely a way as possible. Sure, sure. I'm, I'm, I'm imagining that clients can get anxious and, and wonder where you are on something, and, and I, I can certainly appreciate that. I'd like to shift gears just a, a little bit here. Uh, one of the things we haven't talked about yet in your you know, impressive background, um, I didn't highlight it in your introduction, but Jonathan is a regular host for our listeners of Goldberg Segala's Timely Notice podcast and also a prolific speaker and writer on recent developments affecting the insurance industry. Why don't you tell us a little bit about how you became involved in those two endeavors? Sure, absolutely, David. Um, I, I think that the writing aspect is something that I have been uh, doing ever since law school, actually. I, even in law school, I entered some writing competitions because I had interest, I had ideas that I wanted to pursue and I think it's important for the purpose of legal scholarship to get them uh, on paper. So, you know, ever since I was in law school, even as a young associate, I was publishing regularly. Um, I always found it to be very important uh, to develop, you know, your, your legal acumen by, by studying areas that you might not be familiar with. And if you ever want to be, you know, thought of as, you know, as a, lead, as a thought leader in, in this space, you have to fulfill your, your end of the bargain, you know, by providing the thought leadership. So, so that's something I've always found to be very important, and, and I'm, I'm very thankful that I'm at a firm that supports thought leadership as Goldberg Segala does. Uh, speaking has always been something I've always been interested in as well. You know, when I was in high school and college, uh, my, my, one of my primary activities was uh, policy debates. So I always found myself on my feet uh, speaking, researching, and otherwise, um, you know, arguing interesting points. So 
I, I found it natural, a natural extension of my, uh, of the skills that I developed through policy debate and whatnot to enter the legal profession. And then from there, uh, to seek the thought leadership that I developed and turn into scholarship that I could, I could not only pass on through the written word, but also by presenting um, at conferences and trade organizations and other um, opportunities to speak to people who might not be able to read the other uh, pieces that, that I provide. And then the question about the podcast is a really interesting one, David. Uh, I've, I've been interested in podcasts for many years. I, I have probably, I subscribe to probably uh, too many podcasts, uh, listening to a podcast or another uh, that, that always interests me. And, and I found that uh, a few years ago, as I was thinking about, you know, what I could do to continue to, you know, further my legal scholarship, I, I realized there really wasn't um, a, a podcast out there for the, you know, the insurance industry with respect to claims and claim trends and other things um, related to what I do. And so, uh, so I approached my firm and said, I really think this would be a good idea to try to put out this podcast. And, and they were supportive. And I, I'm very thankful for that. So, you know, we started from the ground up, you know, coming up with ideas, uh, reaching out to everybody in my network who would listen and asking them if they would come on the podcast. My partners have been, you know, very accessible and willing to uh, throw their hat in the ring and, and speak to me about an area that they're interested in or that they're an expert in. And, uh, and I found that throughout the entire experience, and I think we've published well over 100 episodes, uh, we're very proud uh, of what we've created. And it's, it's a great opportunity to provide yet another way that people can consume the content. You know, there are a lot of people who write newsletters and they're terrific. And I read a lot of them. Uh, there are people who, you know, write for Law 360, people who write for trade publications and trade magazines. Uh, but, you know, again, the one area I didn't find a lot of opportunity for content consumption was podcasts. I know that I'm always listening to them and, you know, I'm on the go. People are you know, traveling, or at least they were before the pandemic. And so I thought it was a great opportunity to give them a way they consume um, some interesting uh, trends and, and hot topics by uh, doing so, whether in the car, the train or on the plane. Yeah, and, and that's awesome. I, I, I listen to many podcasts myself, and I do those in the same situations where you just explained, whether it's in a car or on a run or something like that. So it, it's, it's, it's such a great additional area of resource for us, and, and we appreciate you doing that. When you think about uh, young people that are in law school or maybe young people that you know personally that come up and ask you, you know, I'm considering being an attorney or I'm a little bit into law school here and, you know, I want to be an attorney like you had done at, at such a young age yourself. What, what's the best piece of advice that you would give to someone making that consideration? So my advice is, is really as follows. Uh, the legal profession, especially private practice, it's hard. It's not an easy profession. I would say there, there are a lot easier ways to make a buck, but you know, for those of us who really love the legal profession as much as we do, you know, there are a few things that kind of run, run through us that make us uh, a special breed. And I guess the question I would ask a law, either a, a new law student or someone who's considering, you know, applying to law school, you know, what is it about the legal profession that really interests you? you know, what is it about, you know, the practice of law that makes you think that this, that would be a good fit for you? Why do you really want to be a lawyer? It's those kind of introspective questions that I think are very important. And, you know, you'd be surprised how many times you get the answer. I'm not really sure why, but, uh, <laughs> I, you know, my philosophy degree, I didn't think was going to pay the bills. Or you might hear something like, 
you know, my parents were are lawyers and, you know, I think I should do that too. And, you know, those are reasons uh, to, to go to law school, but those are probably not the best reasons because you find, you know, a lot of people that I went to the law school with are not uh, either using their legal degree these days or are, uh, or have used a legal degree, but are doing so in a completely different area. So, you know, I, I think that's great. And certainly law school is, is not intended to make a private practitioner out of everybody. And that's not, it's certainly not what we're looking for. I know that, you know, there's a lot of different ways you can use your law degree, but at the same time, you know, law, law school is expensive for the most part. And uh, again, it's, it's, I, I had a great time in law school, but at the same time, it's, it's a difficult uh, three years. So with that said, uh, I think it, it's one of those, you know, gut check moments. Is it, is this really what I want to do before, before jumping in? Because uh, once you do, it's, it's, uh, you, you've, there's a lot of uh, different attractions, you know, in the, law, in the law practice that, again, you want to make sure that you're in it for the right reasons. Yeah, no, that's a great answer. And I, I, I hear you loud and clear on the challenges that, that someone would have going into to that profession. And, and I think that's very wise advice. And, you know, I, I think this has been a, a wonderful time that we've had today, Jonathan. It's, it's uh, been insightful. Um, I, I hear passion in your voice as well. And uh, that, that's awesome to, to hear that. I, I thank you for, uh, you know, being a guest on our show today. It's been our pleasure to do that. Is there anything else that you want to add or say anything that before, we, before we wrap up? It's, it's been a pleasure. No, David, I, I, thank you. I, I thank you very much for the opportunity to come on and tell a little bit about my story. It kind of feels a little bit like, uh, you know, this is your life. And, and going back and, you know, talking about some of the things that, uh, led me to where I am today, and and I, I'm very proud of, of of where my my career path has taken me. So again, it, it's very, I really appreciate the opportunity to share that with your your listeners, uh, especially those who you know are considering you know is you know the, the path of insurance you know the uh, practice of insurance coverage. Those who are thinking about going to law school, and, and especially those who have been in it and are look and are looking for inspiration uh, of you know for how how can I how can I develop some thought leadership in the space? Maybe listening to this will energize them to, to publish, uh, speak, or otherwise maybe develop their own podcast. So yeah. uh, again, it's been a great opportunity, David, to speak with you. I really thank you for the opportunity. Well, it's our pleasure. And thanks again, Jonathan. Thanks for listening to Engaging Experts. Be sure to click subscribe so you don't miss our future episodes.